This is the unadulterated Word of God, coming to you from Savannah Ministries. We build up believers unto maturity. We raise ministers for the end-time harvest. We preach the Word of God with signs and wonders following. And we use the Word of God to meet the needs of mankind. Amen. All right. Please be seated. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, are we together? Maybe we should read Romans 11 first, verse 36. He said, for of him, and through him, and to him, are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. For of him, no, go back. For of him, and through him, and to him, are how many things? All things. Not some. Systems. Resources, all is all. By Him, the Bible says, all things belong to Him. Through Him, when Ogabobi was teaching, he said that we can have it all. And let me add, we should have it all. Because all things are of Him. Through Him, Amen. To whom be glory forever. Amen. That means there is no area of human existence that the, the believer is exempted from. So based on this, are we together? Paul now says in Romans chapter 12, I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you by the message of Christ that you do what? That you present your bodies. And we said yesterday, your body there is referring to your what? Your senses. That you present your senses as living sacrifice. That is what consecrated. That's the meaning of the word holy. That is consecrated. Holy means you set it apart for a specific purpose. This microphone is a holy microphone. But it's not a Christian microphone. It's not a Christian microphone. This is FM Pro something. I don't know if it's manufactured by Christians. We cannot live our lives and say that we need a microphone. Please find a Christian microphone for us. So the whole concept of people Treating the world with a myopic view is laughable. Because almost everything you're doing, everything you interact with is in the world. The clothes you're wearing are worldly clothes. <laughs> the shoes are worldly shoes. It's of the world. Do you get it now? So to say, to have a narrow view of your definition of worldly, something is wrong. 
But you see, they went into the market and bought this. And they brought it here for this purpose. Meaning that of all the microphones that were made, this one has been consecrated for this purpose. So you cannot borrow this for Obi Kubana's night shows. Am I talking to someone? You can't say, oh, there is, there is this. I know some sick people do that. But you can't take this and say, oh, there is a, there is a show down there. Uh, and they need some equipment. I don't know. Can you help them? <laughs> Rev said, hmm. You know what that means. So what are we saying? This is, this is holy. It doesn't matter if there are a thousand of them out there. It doesn't even matter if there are better ones than them out there. What makes a thing holy is the purpose for which it was consecrated and the one that consecrated it. You are not holy because of what you wear. You are holy because God selected you and made you special in his eyes. So it might not, it, not everybody might perceive it that way, but it changes, it changes no, it changes nothing. You are holy. God sets you apart. So when the Bible says, consecrate your ears, consecrate your eyes and your feelings, am I talking to someone? It is saying that you should now take the instruments of your body, like King James calls it, the, your members, and say, look, this is the purpose for which these eyes were created. So the reason I wouldn't give my eyes to certain channels, I wouldn't give my eyes to certain magazines, hello, is because these particular eyes, I have decided on my own volition to set it apart for a particular purpose. So that is what it means to consecrate. It says holy and acceptable to God. I see for it to be acceptable to God, it has to be by faith. And faith is based on what Jesus has done. You see the way it works. Acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. No one can do that for you. Then in verse 3 it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell anybody, renewing of your mind. What God wants to change, hallelujah, is not your clothes. What God wants to change is not your house. What God wants to change is your mind. The renewing of your mind. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus, that as they were going out, there was a shorter cut, a shorter route that he would have used to take them to Egypt. But the Bible says he said no. He took them through a longer route. He said, lest when the people see war. He didn't say if. He says when they see war. Because there are going to be wars. They change their what? Their minds. And I heard Rev teaching yesterday. There are no shortcuts. You must learn to enjoy the process. I was sharing some things with some folks recently in church. First Peter chapter 4 verse 11, I think. Let's go there. Maybe I should. Some of you are already sleeping. I, I like you. You don't have any problem in this world. Amen. <laughs> like you are so, you are so set to, you have entered into your rest like we were taught yesterday. <laughs> I sleep. Let me tell you where sleep exists. It's in the mind. If your mind doesn't shut down, your eyes won't open, won't close. Keep your mind here. If your mind is here, your eyes will not close. You know why you slept? You start thinking of other things beside what I'm saying. 
And is that mind I'm talking about today? I'm sure as you're hearing God, so I think you're all the bills you have to pay, the things you have to do after this. Your mind just, just, just rest. Just sleep. Forget your sorrows. And your eyes just followed. Someone say you're tired. You are not tired. You are not tired. Certain things will happen. You'll be amazed that you are not tired. I was telling you yesterday. So we say, oh, I lost control. I lost control. You see a man shouting at the wife at home. Being chauvinistic in his view. Exercising on due authority. I say on due because it's really on due. Claiming this is man's world. This is, this is, then he goes into the office. And his boss is this 26 year old girl. Are you getting me? Shouting. Did you, did you file those things I asked you to file yesterday? Why did you do this? Sorry, ma. Sorry, ma. Why didn't you lose control? I think you say you can't hold yourself back anytime. You talk anyhow. You have control; it's your choice. You see, let me tell you something about the body. There's a reason the Bible tells you to do something about your body. Everything you do with your body is training. Nobody sleeps better than me. So if you see me sitting in church and hearing God's word, it is possible. Are you getting me? You can tame yourself. You can tame your body. I used to go to bed earlier than Cox. Are you with me? You could be talking to me and I'm gone. I'm talking about 6.30 in the evening. I remember one time we were at Angpa. I think that was my first time at Angpa. Njeni and they took me to one program. It wasn't a Savannah program. But it was one big hall. We went there. I, you know, I don't know. I slept off. Why well, I said I slept off? So they started sharing communion elements. <laughs> They were sharing communion elements. So they tapped me because it came to my point. They tapped me. <laughs> I woke up. I was not sure. I didn't even remember if I was. That's how deep I slept. I couldn't remember. Am I still in church or at home? They didn't wake me up to eat. I was just trying to figure out. As they gave me the bread, I just took a large chunk. I get me. Put it straight in my mouth. Grounded it. As I was in the cell, I'm like, what is, are you okay? I said, what's okay? Then I turned and looked at everybody holding their this in the holy form. I have never been that embarrassed in my life. See, my mouth was full with bread. I was holding one. I, I said, I'm sorry. They said, no, no, don't talk again. You know, I know one thing. When you're embarrassed, when you're embarrassed, you keep making terrible mistakes. As I was trying to salvage this one, it was getting worse. I said, no, 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 it's in your mouth. Don't talk again. Don't talk again. Oh, sorry, sorry. I sat down. No, terrible. That was my worst day in Angpa. Praise God. So if I can sit down and hear God's word, I'm telling you the truth. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. You can do things to your body. This body is a property. It's a property. You can do things to it. You guys knew how I used to look that. Like Big Daddy. Until <laughs> uh, I nearly died, though. Praise God. <laughs> you will not understand. You can walk out. You can run miles. You don't even believe you can. I remember those days if I run a kilometer, <laughs> I kept stretching it. I've gone 15 kilometers. I still do it. It's training. You know what this? I can't. I can't. It's in the mind. 
so we're somewhere. You see this sleep thing, I don't know. If it's second session, I can even understand that. Okay. Maybe. What? First session? Already sleeping. Pastors have invited me to preach and they were sleeping. My host, though. You see, I even have the host. I said, can we just stand up and give the Lord a shout? My host sat there as the father of the house. He didn't stand up. I told myself, I said, I can't help you again. I mean. <laughs> Sorry, that's not the verse I'm looking for. Okay. okay. Yeah, First Peter 4.11. Verse 12. Go to verse 12. I think verse 12 is what I'm looking for. Beloved. Beloved. Answer now. These are scriptures in New Testament. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the what? Fairy trial, which is to try you. As though some strange things happen to you. Did you read that? Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. But you know these days, when believers go through fiery trials, they think it is what? It is strange. And we're not talking about trials. We're talking about fiery trials. It's qualified. Real tough times. I say don't consider it to be what? A strange thing. They're about to pursue me out of my house. Don't consider it to be a strange thing. Oh, I heard some people cry. How can I be a Christian? So faithful, serving God, and I lost my job. Even, see, how can they sack me? A Christian, a child of God. Even Jesus sacks people. What is this about your profitable servant? And say, now what did he say about the unprofitable servant? Cast him what? Out. If that's not called sack. I don't know what you want to call it. And listen to me. If you're a Christian entrepreneur, you own a company as a Christian, you will soon sack. If you have not sacked, it's a question of time. Sacking is part of life. And if you work for me and you don't do well, I will sack you. I have sacked before. I will still sack. So, why are you crying? That's why I'm saying that when we have a wrong picture of our Christian work, we think certain things are strange. If a woman doesn't know that when she takes in, there are going to be changes in her body, she will begin to think that something is wrong with her. It doesn't mean something is wrong with you. I was telling them in church, if you are in the will of God, you will face troubles. If you are not in the will of God, you will face trouble. So being in the will of God or not doesn't stop you from facing trouble. Because sometimes we have thought that if you are in the will of God, then you are not going to have what? 
problem. So you cannot use the absence or non-absence of problems to judge whether you are in the will of God or not. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, not by the calmness of the situation. Consider it not strange when you preach a message that more than half your members leave you. Anticipate it. <laughs> Someone say, eh. Okay, no. Anticipate it. You say, I don't think it's one strange thing that is happening to you. Because I see a lot of CC Christians in church. And what we promise people, our brand promise <laughs> in our Christian walk is not that you are not going to have problems. Don't ever preach to people and tell them they are never going to have problems. Our brand promise is, of, is victory. Is that regardless of what you face, are you getting me? You are not going to overcome. In that situation, you are more than a conqueror. Because the Christian life, I want to say something. The Christian life, are you with me? The Christian life is us constantly manifesting the life of God that we've received. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 11. This is off my notes, but let me say this so that I can learn this tree. Uh, verse, verse 12. Is it 1 Corinthians I'm looking for? 2 Corinthians. Amen. Let's try 2 Corinthians. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For we who live are always what? Delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That means for Jesus' sake, there are things we experience. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth. You should be thankful for where you are living out your faith. If you know what it took some people for this gospel to come to us, for where we are, you should be thankful for where you are. There are people who are in extreme conditions for the sake of the gospel. I was opportune to, to visit some, uh, visit some group of ministers and how many of you know there are amazing things happening in the north? And if you see what some of these people have gone through, some have even lost children. And you know their faith inspires me. And you, you look at all these people and there is no fear. <laughs> there is a lot of confidence. It's like these guys are dead. And you don't threaten a dead man. They are focused. Paul said, look, some of us who live were delivered to death for a sake. He said the purpose is that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, in our existence. So that's what your Christian life is like. That from one problem, are you with me? The life of God that you have received is made manifest through that situation. That is the essence of scriptures. It's a life of transformation. So we borrow a leaf from Daniel. <laughs> Look at Daniel in a foreign land. And the Bible says they take Daniel and try to bring him to a school 
to unschool him. Because Nebuchadnezzar said, let's get, let's get the finest minds and let's train them. The question is, how do you train fine minds? And they are giving them certain foods offered to idols, teaching them Babylonian systems, trying to unschool them from their covenant. And here you meet Daniel with a focused mind, knowing who he has a covenant with. And he boldly challenges authorities and says, do what? Exempt us. Exempt us from some of these things. Test us after 10 days. Thank you, sir. Amen. The Bible says after 10 days of testing, they came out 10 times what better. How many of you know that was one level of passing the test? That was the covenant of God revealed in that situation. Then just when Daniel would think that he has settled, they discover that he's smart, he's intelligent, he has passed, hello? <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And says, I'm not going to tell you the dream. He says, I'll tell us the dream. I'm not telling you the dream. You will tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. You can't forge any interpretation here. You have to know the dream. Then a man like Daniel gets up and says, give us what? Time. He goes to pray. He comes back. And he says, this is your dream. And this is the interpretation of your dream. How many of you know he has overcome another hurdle? Now, the first time was God showing him favor in passing his exams. Now, is God taking it into a deeper realm that this thing you are looking for cannot be sought from men. It can only come from entering into another dimension. So he discovered that in his Christian, in his walk with God, are you with me? Certain situations cannot be solved by just pure mental acumen. You need to go into other realms not known to man to be able to pull down answers. Am I talking to somebody? So you start your Christian work today. It's about paying for this. It's about paying for this. See, we enter into institutions. We share testimonies. But that doesn't mean that's the end of your problem. So you share this testimony of how you got a 4,000 pounds job with this. And then you come there and meet some people who are so racist in their view. Ah, why not? Lord, are you not the one that opened this door? He's the one that opened this door. Why are they treating me like this? Do I have a weakness? And if you look at your life, you will find all these things coming in different shades. You started that church when people were just few years happy. When members came, you were happy. You say, we just blessed God. We had our meeting last month. In fact, they sent us money from Pakistan, 300,000. I get to We cleared our rent. Praise the Lord. And, you know, powerful testimony. The next day, you, you have this guy who is a Judas Iscariot. Are you getting me? Comes into church. Then begins to spread this thing and you have to deal with the issue. How do I solve this kind of problem? And you are wondering. You see, a lot of times what we call Christian maturity is Christian activity. What we used to say, oh, this one is a mature Christian, is that the person is, is active. The person is not doing rehearsal. The person is not coming to church. The person is even praying more. I have seen people who pray. Are you getting me? Who pray fervently and cannot translate a single thing said in church into the outside space. Christian maturity is when you are able to look into the word of God. Are you getting me? And then you draw from the wisdom of it and you are able to overcome life challenges. (laughs) 
See, I see people who get born again without crying. And they've been longer in the faith. Than the ones who cry. <laughs> I've seen people do all kinds of activities. I'm a pastor. They roll and they shout, do everything. When they get up, you'll be amazed where you'll find them in two weeks' time. So if you're a sense rule person, you say, no, the Lord touched him. The Lord truly touched him. I saw what happened tonight. See, see, see. God truly touched him. But if he stands up with that same mind, am I talking to somebody? And he faces another issue, he will relapse into it. I told them in church, higher levels, higher devils. Greater victories. So Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Let me just dance around this scripture so I can Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans 5. There is a mindset. Therefore having been justified by faith. We have peace. How many of you have peace? How many of you have been justified? Come on, let me see your hand up. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in the next verse. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. How many of you are standing in grace? You're standing in grace, right? He says, and you are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Full stop. That's where we love to read that scripture and stop. I'm standing in grace. Glory. We're rejoicing. Then look at the next verse. He says, and not only that. That means don't end there. Bro, keep reading. Not only that, but we also do what? We glory in tribulation. Knowing. See, hallelujah. Knowing. I want you to understand something. That means there is a knowledge with which you go through tribulation. If you lack that requisite knowledge, it will destroy you. I was talking to Pastor Avisi. We were talking. I said, look. People who have not been trained well misunderstand training for punishment. So, so, so the moment somebody wants to put, how would you see people go to jobs, get angry? When their boss says, do this. They say, do you know who I am? The righteousness of God in Christ. You are fired. I better get out of this place. You know this, and if you have been raised with this entitlement mentality, The whole world owns you something. You weep, you whine, you cry. Even this morning I told my wife, I said, children are highly manipulative. I'm the last that we manipulate. <laughs> cry or you cry. When you are tired, you get up. Are you getting me? Cry has never killed anybody. Because I've seen children cry and cry. And then the next moment they get something in their head. They, they, they go about life like nothing happened. So you can't bow to, you can't bow to the whim of every child. God did not call you to raise children. He called you to train them. Raising children is not the same thing as training children. They are two different things. And my children know that if I say, I'm going to beat you, I must beat you. Because if I don't beat you, you think I'm a liar. Justin was busy just jumping up and down the rest of his head like an imp. I said, look. I said, Justin, it's okay. Let's go. I'll just be nice. The boy was just looking at me. Children look into your eyes. They can discern you. The moment my eye changed, he understood that it's time to go. When I was looking for him, they said, it's outside. Listen to me. Listen to me. Praise God. 
You have not been called to raise children. You have been called to train children. God is not just raising us. We get born again, but there's a training process. Because there's a place he's planting us. There's a place he's taking us to. Are you getting me? And you can't carry the mindset of a child to sit on the position of an adult. So we need to wake up. Don't do your children's homework for them. Sit down and do it. That is not love. The child that the father loves, he does what he chastises. The word chastisement there is not to kill, it's to train. I visited Sam over the weekend. He was doing his assignment. He arrived in level. He said, Daddy, I'm surprised you're still awake. I said, I'm going to bed now. I didn't say, bring it, let me do it for you. There was a time I did my own. Now do your own. And because we don't understand the concepts of discipline and positioning. Am I talking to someone? When we interpret God, we now reduce God. To be one wimpy, sissy, are you getting me? See, God is not like your father. It's your father that should be like God. We must take our definition of fatherhood from him. Not reduce him to who our fathers are. I'm talking about a mindset. So you train children like that, they get up. Any hard thing. You see, you know for a lesson, every, every obstacle is difficult. You have to know. You know, when I, when I started walking out, I wanted to just put some of this belly fat away. Somebody say, eh, you've done something, you need to see it before. <laughs> you need to see it before. If I'm coming, you think a lorry is coming. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I got coach. Where's Lucky? So I called Lucky. I said, Lucky, come. Amen, let's talk. Okay, when the airport. So Lucky began to coach me. Taking me through regiment. Oh, and, and Lucky is, is good. He's good. Amen. He's not free, Some of you, when you come to church, everything should be free. That church, they can't even help somebody. They are teaching on giving and the church Wi-Fi has password. Listen to me. Let me tell you the truth. The world doesn't operate like that, you So I paid him. If it's Christian price, he gave me fine. And feel free to negotiate also. See, bargaining is not unbelief. <laughs> I bargain very well. I query everything. Before they sign anything in my office, they know. As you see me, to, to cheat me is not easy. So he comes and says, do this, you know, and then do this press-up, do this push-up. And you know one thing with training? The person who trains you has done his time. So because he has done his time, that's why I can show you. It doesn't necessarily mean he will do what you are doing. So Lucky goes down, does to this, so can you do five first? Do ten. And as, he's, as, I'm, as I'm 
going down, he said, he's putting his hand on, he said, go down, lower, lower. Make it really low. If you don't know to what end he's doing that, you interpret it as punishment. Did you, did, see, 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 did you hear Daniel when he entered into the lions, when, when they put him in the lions then? Did you hear Daniel say, <laughs> I've always stood up for you. <laughs> Lord, Lord, all the things I heard that you did for their Moses, you didn't do for me. You think the lions then is the last? He now faced the fiery what? Furnace. And look at the answer that he gave to the king. He said, look, look, look. Oh, king, in this matter, we are not careful to answer you. He said, even if our God, whom we serve, will not do what? Will not deliver us. We can give him a break. Have you come to that point where you can say, I don't care your threats? I always say the fear of death is what stops people from entering the next level of their life. Hey, if I sow that seed, how will I feed? Until you, until you get past it. Thank you, Lord. Are we together? So, we glory in tribulation, knowing there's a knowledge you should have. Two years ago, when I started church here in Abuja, we're, we're just driving home one day. And someone said, ah, Pastor, this person has left, that person has left. I said, no problem. You see, let me say something to pastors here. Don't work too hard to keep people who want to leave. It's more like an estranged marriage. Wish them well. I wish people well. Sometimes I ask, so where are you going next? And be wary of people who leave other churches to come and meet you. They might just be passing by to the next place. I'm talking to you from experience. When they come, and when they come, they have lots of things to tell you from where they are coming. If you see what I did there, if you see what I went through about you, in this place, in this place, there is real love. Even the message is great. You see, here they are teaching grace and living it. There they call that ministry Jehovah Grace Association. But there's no grace there. It's raw works. They are hailing you. When people want to make you king, be focused. Because it's easy for anybody to cry after eating your fish. Go and ask Jesus. Somebody told me about his pastor. I said, you don't know me. He said, no, you are I said, you don't know me. You only saw me preach. You cannot know me. From seeing me on stage, you don't know me. You there, you were vexed too. I want to go in the person say, Pastor, how come you are not so bothered? I said, Too many have left for me to be bothered. That is the mindset that God wants me to have. That fear of people living is broken. Jesus was talking to over 5,000 people. When you feel preaching, the Bible says, Everybody left. Only twelve, only twelve were remaining. You would think that Jesus would start explaining to them. See, let me explain what I want to say. And guess what Jesus was saying that they left? 
that except you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part in me. They say, who are you? Because we they follow you. Come, we are following you. Say we should eat your flesh and drink your blood. Why are you taking this thing too far? Huh? Is it a crime to follow you? I think I told you something is wrong with this Jesus. Are you getting me? Now he's talking about eating flesh, drinking blood. I'm going. They left. You would think the ordinary Jesus would now start to explain. Do you know what he said? He turned to the twelve and said to them, You are you still here? <laughs> Even them, look at the answer. We don't know where to go. With you are the words of life. Not like, if they had an option, are you getting me? They would have left. But you see, glory to God. The whole world chants that name. Songs are written about that name. Books are written about that name. That fear must be broken. There's a mindset for where God is taking you. See, some of the things you're experiencing in church right now, the leader talked to me like this, you, you are settling small, small issues. <laughs> Take them, learn them well. Go through it. Enjoy the process. Are you getting me? Because someday somebody is becoming a minister of this. Somebody is becoming the CEO of this. Are you getting me? It is the things you practice in your everyday life. The experiences you've had here. That now builds that mindset that you can glean wisdom for. Because there are bigger days ahead. Am I talking to someone? There are bigger days ahead. There are some of you seated here. Are you with me? Where you are going through right now, you are practicing with bears. You are practicing with lions. Hear me. It's because a Goliath is coming. But one of the things you realize is that the bigger the problem, the easier to solve. Because once a mindset is created, it's not about what is available. It's not about what is available. If you keep dodging bears, dodging lions, when you see Goliath, you will find options. Amen. You know, do you know when Pastor Tukwe said, in those Israel will say, if you don't get someone healed, you'll not come. I was in healing team in Ankwana. And the Indian knows how we'll go out to go and look for our sick people to heal. You know what some, of, some people will be saying? Thank God. Thank God I came now. <laughs> ah, so now, so you've been there here. Ah, thank God. You shouldn't be thanking God. You should subject yourself to those things. Knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance. And not only that, but we also glory in what? Read it now. We also glory Read it now. We also do what? He didn't say we glory for tribulation. He said we glory in what? In tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance what? Character. And character what? Hope. Character. Character. Produces in you what? Character. Character is steel. Is that place where what people are crying about, when you look at it, you are no longer bothered. 
You see, when character has been framed in you, you are in faith for 10 million naira, and you are sleeping like a baby, you know that it always comes. Character. It is that mind, are you with me, that God wants to create. There is a mindset that gets things done. I've been so betrayed by people that it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Some of you have developed a thick skin. No, no. My heart has softened to the word. So what is our mind? Praise the Lord. What is our mind? By the renewing of our minds. Tell anybody renewing of your mind. I told them in church, it's not as much as what is happening around you as what is being developed in you. See, people go through things and waste experiences. Recently, I traveled with my pastor somewhere, and they were just so, you know, just so, they were marveling. Ah, just so excited. So I said, hey, all of you come to my room. So all this while that we have been here, what did you see? What did you learn? Because when I step into a place, and I see the things that are happening there, am I talking to someone? What I'm actually wondering is, what mindset drives this? What are they thinking? How are they thinking? Listen now. It determines the kind of questions that I ask. My greatest asset in my relationship with Rev. Are you with me? Is not what he gives me, is how he makes me think. That when I look at him and I'm saying, what goes through this man's what? Mind. <laughs> what are you thinking? Glory to God. Now, the word transformation, please follow. The word transformation is a change in form. It's trans to move, like I said yesterday, in form. Hear me? The word form there actually means a totally different thing from what it used to be. So that it cannot be reversed again. That's why the word there is metamorphosis. Morphos means form. The egg and the butterfly don't look alike. So it is not about becoming a bigger egg. Transformation is not becoming a bigger egg. It's becoming something totally different from what the egg is. But it's by consequence 
of a particular working system or life is the life in the egg that is in the butterfly. But it's the form of the butterfly that has changed. That means by consequence of the life, the outside does what? Changes. So that the egg becomes the what? The lava. The lava becomes the what? The pooper. The pooper becomes the butterfly. Hear me. The butterfly can never become a pooper again. That's what transformation is. That's why transformation is always into the better. And the Bible speaks about transformation a lot. That the part of a just man is like what? A shining light that shines what? Brighter and brighter as unto a perfect day. One of the things upon which the Jews anchored their study of God's word on, are you listening to me? Is that where I am born does not determine where I should sleep. So, stories after stories in the Old Testament, what you constantly see are backgrounds of people who have come from certain backgrounds, are you with me? But by consequence, by reason of their faith in God and their relationship by covenant have become outstanding. So you don't see something that is good, it gets bad and you say, oh, it has what? Transformed. It has been destroyed. Am I talking to someone? So year after year, your life should be making progress. What, it's, what transformation actually means is by virtue of the life you have received on the inside, it should affect your surrounding and everything around you. So that when we see you in years to come, there's obvious that there's a working thing in you that has changed you from what you used to be to something totally different. Some of you have seen the movie Transformation. It's from a car. Transformer, sorry. From a car to what? To this robot that literally saves the world. That means you can come in like an old car. But by virtue of eternal life that you have received, it can affect your world and affect everything around you. That is what the Bible actually calls what? Transformation. So in Matthew 17, go to Matthew 17. anybody it's a journey it's not an event what most people are seeking in church are events a one time are you getting me events we are seeking events this happened that happened and uh, and until this mind is transformed am I talking to someone we can't finish it. I can't finish some of the things that on my heart. Until this mind is transformed. Do you know the truth? I told them in church in Boko that the oil always takes the shape of the container.
So no matter how grace is poured upon you, the outlook of it is the container in which it's collected. That container is your mind. I was reading some Jewish, you know, I read a lot of Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, commentaries. Because it's them God gave. The Bible said they were giving the oracles. Yeah, so, certain times, certain things can be lost in translation. If you are reading it as an Englishman. You guys understand what I'm saying? So, a lot of times we can, we can be preaching some things. And it's actually, that rema is actually faulty because of English. <laughs> Let me give you an example. You know, in Igala... Basket is called um, Agba, right? Cult. Handcuff is called Agba. Thank you is said as Agba. If a translator comes and and it's spelled the same way, and I say. Remove the cult, Agba. And he writes it the same way. The translator will now come and interpret it based on what he knows. And you interpret it as remove the greeting. Or remove the basket. Then someone now reads the translation of that person. And as he's reading it, he's saying, look, the issue is the basket. Remove the what? The basket. If you remove the basket, you know the problem is his situation has nothing to do with what? With basket. Because what is on his hands right now are called. So it's called that he's preaching that rema persuasively. But it doesn't make it what? Right. So you need to go sometimes to a nigala man. To read in context and tell you this is what it actually means. That's why I read some of these Jewish commentaries. So that I understand what is scripture saying when they make certain statements. Are you listening to me? When certain statements are made, what does it mean? Do you know the Jews believe? That when God called Abraham, he's not the first person God called. But they believe he's the one that yielded. And they believe that at the time of Abraham, there was already arithmetic. And that Abraham was fully aware of the signs and the policies of his time. But he knew their origin. So when God said, come out of all the childish, it was not him. The Jews even believed that it was his father that was originally called. But he boycotted it. Because the Bible says he left all the childish, he came to Haran and he settled. And all the childish is the land of Jazz. Then they believe also that Moses had the finest mind to have led them. 
And that is why God had to extract him and put him where? In the house of Pharaoh. How many of you have heard of the book of Moses? Sorcerers use it. People use it to practice magic. You know, the, 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 that book is written by Jews. The book of Moses is written by Jews to actually teach that some of those things that Moses was doing <laughs> were curated arts <laughs> and magic that he learned from the Jews. Now, don't be quick to just write off, because, oh, my time, amen. Don't be quick to write off and say, ah, no, na lie. Mm-mm. Is that, eh? That's why Moses could throw down what? His rod. And the Egyptian magicians will come. Please, there's something I want to get. And throw theirs down too. Because it was an act that they schooled themselves in. So the Jews believe that the first level of things that Moses did as miracles, I hear me, were things that were practiced via knowledge, but that God took him into higher knowledge. That the Jews, that the Egyptians could not understand. So see how the Jews think. Spiritual things can be taught. Amen. It can be taught. You know, some of the things called mystery now are actually things that are revealed to people whose minds were set to know. Then over time, it could be explained. But the wonder of our God is that the knowledge of God is infinite. The mind of God is beyond us. And that the new Christian in Christ Jesus has been given that mind. Did I make sense of anything I said? That all that we see in this world is not all there is to be seen. Ariel Shimon said something, former Prime Minister of Israel. He said it's easier to remember than to imagine. He said because remembrance brings you to the place of doing what is always done. Imagination takes you outside the shores of what exists. Jesus in his work on earth, are you getting me? Was displaying the magnificence of God. Because he had the mind of God. That mind of God, what 1 Corinthians 2 calls what? The mind of Christ. And this is what I want to say. As Christians, we need to travel in the mind of Christ. Beyond where we are. It will transform our world. Give me that Matthew 17. I just show you this and then I sit down. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up where? On a high mountain by themselves. Continue, please. And he was transfigured before them. That word transfigured there is the word transformation. His face shone like what? The sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. Notice, his face shone. His clothes, not spiritual clothes, 
physical clothes did what he became as white as the light continue and behold Moses and Elijah appeared to them not to Jesus appeared to them doing what talking with who with Jesus quickly then Peter answered and said to Jesus Lord it is good for us to be where to be here if you wish let us make three tabernacles one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah now let me tell you something and I'll tell you how this works thank you Lord Jesus is about to die he's about to go to the cross how many of you believe Jesus went to the cross as a man he didn't go to the cross as a God and death is death he was going to die as a man so he takes them up on the mountain the Bible says to do what? to pray and we all know the story they slept right? like some of you are doing now then he's there the Bible uses the word he was transfigured before them he was praying but something was happening in his prayer he was fellowshipping with thoughts who was he looking at in prayer he was looking at Elijah he was looking at Moses why these two people these are two men who didn't die two men who entered into a realm and overcame physical what death if he's going to overcome death he has to keep the picture of what he is going to be transfigured into before him. So he's there. He's looking at Moses. He's meditating on Elijah. He's meditating on their life. He's thinking. It's what is happening in his thought process that his disciples wake up. Listen, that waking up, they didn't see anything physical. It was God opening their eyes to see what was happening. In the what? In the mind of Jesus. That's why they recognized Elijah and who? Moses. Not because they knew them. Elijah and Moses were not living in their neighborhood. It must be a revelation. They were seen into the spirit. For them to be able to say, Oh, this is who? This is Elijah. This is who? This is Moses. And this is the secret of transfiguration. That before Jesus came into that experience... He had already experienced change by what he did what he looked upon. Before Jesus went on the cross, he overcame death in his spirit. Are you listening to me? It's not when he entered into death that he overcame it. That month of transfiguration makes it significant because if he didn't have that change there, death would have captured him. Now, this is the simple truth. What you constantly behold is what you become. Our prayer times our prayer times should be times of painting what? Pictures. You can pray and wag your head, hit it on the floor. If your mind is not transfigured in the place of prayer are you with me? When you go out, you'll be wondering why. That's why some people say I have been praying and praying and praying and nothing is doing what is changing. The question is, why you are praying? What are you seeing?
So what you do after camp meeting is that the words you've heard, you go into a place of what? Prayer. Now, until images are painted, the word of God has not become real. If images have not been painted, then you have not been transported. So the journey is not to hear the word. The journey is to translate the words in your mind from what was said on a pulpit to where it becomes what? Visible images that you can see. Then the Bible says you are now transformed into what you see. Anywhere you are today is what you saw yesterday. Anywhere you are going to be tomorrow is a product of what you are seeing today. So in the midst of those things, don't be bothered. What you should be focused on is what is happening where? Here. Hallelujah. And listen to me. You can come here next year sponsoring the whole of camp meeting. No, you didn't hear me. You can be walking in the miraculous. You can be doing the extraordinary. If in your place of prayer, you are not just making noise. You are taking the words and traveling where? In your mind. And that's been my secret. You know, as I was standing here and Dr. Caris was ministering, all of a sudden, my eyes were open to see. There is something, I can't say it now, but you'll see it very soon. There's something I've been trusting God for. It's a question I've been asking regarding what to do. Hallelujah. And then as I sat there hearing God's word, do you know the words that Dr. Carey spoke jumped from words. It became what? Pictures. As I went home that night, I could hardly sleep. You know why? From that one word that he spoke, everything that I've been thinking of how to do began to form as systems in my mind. Where to go, who to meet, what to do. It is that that eventually reflects on the outside of our lives. Begin your journey of what? Transformation. Take the word of God from letters. Transform them to images. And the image you see in your heart is what you become from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Can we give God praise? Thank you for listening. Messages are freely available. Visit carusoscloud.com slash profile slash Savannah Ministries for download. Or visit www.savannahministries.org for more information.